Welcome to Fringe Element. It's talking season here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. So SEC Media Days this week, we had this whole big plan, right? We're going to talk about Greg Sankey's comments about vaccination. We're going to talk about the NCAA. We're going to talk about new coaches. We're going to reminisce about some of the silliest and dumbest things I've ever seen and witnessed at SEC Media Days. We've got Dari Noka on the show a little bit later on to give you some of his insight from around the conference and, and his experience at SEC Media Days as talking season is now officially underway, which means we are close to camps opening up, Aaron, which is fun and exciting. But all of that planning, all of that preparation, all of that's... (laughs) Yes, exactly. All of that gets upended when a massive story breaks uh, and is out literally moments before we start taping and recording the show. We will get to that in just a second. Because for Joe Aaron Dugan is brought to you by... Oh man, he did it on purpose because that was so quick. I wasn't ready for it. Um, never am though. A uh, fringe element. I mean, fringe element is brought to you by Jasper's. Um, they'll solve any crime by dinner time. Oh, nice. <laughs> that literally is a line from the Mary Kate and Ashley oh, God. videos of me as a child, and that's all I had. Well, solve any crime by dinner time. So now right. they're fighting crime and feeding you. Go, go with what you know. Boozy popsicles and fighting. And, and, and what was it? Ashley and Mary Kate, the Olsen twins. Is that what that's? Yeah. From? It's like from a movie from my childhood. It just oh, hit me. They used to solve mysteries I, really bad. You didn't miss anything. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good on that. Thanks. <laughs> um, go to Jasper's where they're okay with conference expansion and realignment. How about that? Free parking, Are they? free parking, great food. And totally fine with speculations about teams changing conferences. What do you think? Um, I just want to bring back up before we move on that you told anyone traveling to Nashville that they should use Jasper's parking lot as like their long-term parking spot. Like coming in town, park at Jasper's. Did not say that. That did not happen. (laughs) Kind of said that. No, I didn't. has, Has 2020 and 2021 not taught you anything, Aaron? If I just continually say that it didn't happen, it didn't actually happen. All I have to do is say it enough times and it becomes the truth. That's a good take. A lot of coaches kind of continue to practice that press conferences, <laughs> media days, all over everything. Um, conference expansion. Should are you gonna? Should we Our, t- we dive in straight in? Let, yeah, go to Jasper's, eat some food, and um, we're gonna talk expansion here because a giant news story. Again, we will talk a little bit about media days. Darinoka a little bit later on in the show. We'll tell some stories about Tim Tebow being asked about his virginity and a variety of other silly topics. You have delved deep into the new coaches. You've studied them. You've got your critiques. You, you will have your report card for all the new coaches and how they performed in their opening press conferences as new, some first-time head football coaches. Um, we are taping this on Wednesday again. So, you know, your guy, Sam Pittman, my guy, Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri and Arkansas, immune from this discussion because they're, they're just, we're just going to assume that they're going to be perfect on Thursday. But as we start, right before we started to tape, uh, the Houston Chronicle put out a story. Texas and Oklahoma have inquired about joining the SEC and an announcement about a possible expansion to 16 teams could come, quote, within a couple of weeks. This, again, according to the Houston Chronicle. It raises a thousand questions, Aaron. Um, it does. My first thought, n- number one, there's a lot of legal contractual stuff that 
grant of rights. And we don't need to dive into all of that, but essentially there's going to have to be some, they would have to be some major serious legal mumbo jumbo uh, and, and legalese worked out for this to actually happen. Greg Sankey was asked about it immediately because he's walking around doing interviews all over the place in Hoover, Alabama at media days. And he basically said no comment, <laughs> which is a pretty loud, no comment. If you ask me, cause he could pretty easily shoot it down if he wanted to. I, my first reaction to this is basically like this isn't fair for anybody else in college football. If Texas and Oklahoma were to join the SEC, it would be the superest of super conferences ever created. I'm not sure how another league could match that depth of quality of talent or power or finances. And so it's probably not healthy for the sport and would piss everybody off. And so therefore, I think I'm kind of on board with it, Aaron. Who do you think the which group would be the most pissed off? Because there's several. The Big Ten. The Big Ten 100% would be the most pissed off. They they hate the SEC more than anything in the world and vice versa, frankly. <laughs> Absolutely. And they've been, everybody would have their foot in their mouth because, you know, everybody's been talking shit about each other, especially probably Big Ten towards SEC because it almost just doesn't seem fair at times. Texas A&M would be mad. Texas yes. would be mad about having to put in their, their foot in their mouth and kind of jumping on the same train as Texas A&M. It would just be a huge mess, and you're absolutely here for it. I can see it on your face. Yeah, like I said, I I, I don't think it's the healthiest thing for the sport. For the but, sport. But yeah. on the heels of Greg Sankey basically obliterating the NCAA in his opening statement, I don't think they want to break from the NCAA because the NCAA is a, a really nice punching bag uh, straw man for them to sort of like use to, to handle all the bad PR. I, I, I do think that they are trending towards their own sort of rules, the Power Five. And if the SEC adds Texas and Oklahoma, and again, the report is, is that Texas and Oklahoma have inquired about joining the SEC, not necessarily the other way around. We don't know what those conversations are like. If I am Greg Sankey and the collection of athletic directors, Texas A&M certainly would be pissed off and would not want Texas back. But it's still good for Texas A&M because it would make the SEC, it's already the best league. It's already the most financially viable league, but it would, it would make it even, it would, it would, it would make the gap even larger you know, if, if I'm the SEC, you have to seriously consider taking Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> like you have to, you have to probably say yes to them if they want to come. I mean, yeah, you, you can't just, just breeze by that, that comment or that in, them inquiring about it because it just doesn't make any sense. Now I do think that from just talking about TV, Oklahoma really makes more sense from a financial perspective because the like but for tv rights reasons because the texas like tv market you know we their sec already has a hold on because of texas a&m now i mean not to say that it wouldn't be lucrative to have texas i think it would i think it'd probably make more sense just you know i think that's a lot of the reason people are like well why didn't they take clemson or why didn't you know i mean i know georgia tech's like old story and yeah it used to be but there were a lot of questions when they added missouri and texas a&m about why those two schools and the answer was always tv so yeah, yeah. it'd be interesting to see who knows but you're right people are going to be just steaming from their ears I, I think texas is the most powerful athletic department in the country and if you can add that thing to your to your conference i think you'd do it without even hesitating oklahoma has has just it's turned the big i mean they, they are just the kings of the big 12 and they've sort of dominated the big 12 but they haven't been able to beat any of the best teams in america when push comes to shove so it's it's sort of like they're out they've outgrown the big 12 texas is just too powerful and, and rich to not to not consider them 
if you are Greg Sankey, and again, the collection of athletic directors and presidents running the uni- running the conference, I, I don't know. I, I, to me, it's a no-brainer you take them. What is the ripple effect outward of college football? I don't know what it means. Does, does it mean that the rest of the Big 12 teams join the Big 10? Does it mean that Notre Dame joins the ACC permanently and then the ACC looks to add another team to go to 16 because they could do it pretty quickly? Does it mean that the Big 12 teams go to the West and go to the Pac-12? I don't know what it means. Um, I know what it would mean for the SEC, and it would mean an even bigger financial windfall. I don't know how they make it work legally because the Big 12 owns their television rights at least for another four seasons. I don't know how that would Mm -hmm. work, but man, talk about catnip in July for sports people holy smokes like it's just like my head has exploded on, on a wednesday afternoon and i, love I would it. love to be love a it. fly on the wall for any conversations or to even see how that conversation starts like what does a phone call sound like <laughs> you know take a stab at it Braden. You're, so you're you're uh you're, i'm greg sankey and you're calling to inquire <laughs> who are you calling who exactly is calling what does it sound like so it's, I don't have the president of Texas in front of me. I don't have his name or her name. I think Christelle Conti is the, the athletic director. I, I guess you, it was like, okay, ring, 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 ring. This is Greg. Hey, Greg, uh, Christelle Conti at Texas. I'm the athletic director. Good to talk to you. How you doing? Uh, congratulations on an amazing media days. Um, hey, would you be interested in bringing the Texas Longhorns into the SEC? What, what do you think about that? It kind of just sounds like, is your refrigerator running? Like, would he be like, is this real? I, I exactly <laughs> is this a prank call <laughs> <laughs> who is this this block this why isn't this number blocked no really though I don't even know how to respond as Greg Sankey it, it would have to be as closed because if you're talking about both of them going it means that Texas and Oklahoma would have already talked about this and the way the, the reason this is out right is because you didn't keep the circle small enough right the only way to keep it super small is if if it's like one guy from Oklahoma, one person from Texas, and Greg Sankey, and those are the only three people that know about this. That's the only way you keep it quiet, because otherwise it gets out, and that's why it's out, right? So it, it clearly more people have, have talked about this than, I mean, if the Houston Chronicle is breaking it and Football Scoop is running with it, which is a great website, there has to be some truth to it. It doesn't mean anything is going to happen, but to, to, to report, if you are a journalist and you report an announcement about a 16-team expansion in the SEC could come quote within a couple of weeks, one of two things is happening. It's either very serious or they are trying to create leverage to get something for themselves. I, I don't know what else, they, why else would this report be out? I think it, it's gotta be one of those two. It's gotta be one of those two. There isn't, I cannot think of a third scenario why it would make sense. And I would love to know when this initial convert, how far we are, this break in information is from the initial conversation. Well, we will uh, we'll di- we'll do some digging this week, and next week we'll have a more thorough conversation, or it'll be completely debunked, and we'll have nothing to talk about. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll 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 see. Let's get into our media days conversation because we do have some stuff to talk about. Dari Noko going to join us a little bit later on. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll I've got some sort of like bizarro circusy moments from being down there. I've probably gone I don't know maybe twelve of them. My first one was probably oh six, I think. And uh, I've gone almost every year, not every year, but almost every year. And I've got, you know, there's plenty of bizarro weird moments and I'll have Aaron rank them based on uh, how interesting they are, how entertaining they are uh, in a little bit. But I want to start with Greg Sankey's comments about vaccination rates. Um, Basically what he's saying to those who, you know, care (laughs) is uh, players need to get vaccinated or else you could lose games. That's the gist of it. We we can dive into all the, the, 
the other stuff, Aaron, but this is what happened to NC State in Omaha. The NFL's dealing with this. Every conference is dealing with this. Every commissioner is saying the same thing. We are at X number. You know, Greg Sankey said on Monday, six teams have reached the 80% threshold. We know that that's basically, of course, it's Alabama. Vanderbilt, yeah. Vanderbilt is requiring all of its students to be vaccinated to be on campus. So we know it's going to be Vanderbilt. I think it's also been reported that Georgia, LSU, and Arkansas are in that conversation as well. Not sure 100% who the sixth team is. Tennessee is just below 80%, but they're working to get up to it. Uh, essentially, Greg Sankey said, look, y'all, get vaccines so that you don't lose games. That was the gist of his, of his statement on Monday. I mean, the, everything under the sun to try to make last season work was done or implemented. I'm not saying it wasn't without hiccups or that all of it was done well, but I'm sure there is no larger logistical nightmare than 2020 was for Greg Sankey. So I'm sure not only for health and safety, he's probably also like, you you have an answer. So like, do it and I'm, I'm done with it. We, we can't reschedule. And in fact, like, it just doesn't make sense, you know, from TV, from fandom, from everything to to try to reschedule games. Just like get he's like, get the vaccine. And I don't want to hear about it. Like you're running in the house and you fell. Sorry. Warned you not to. You yeah, know, I, that that's all. And it's not just him. It's every commissioner in every conference um, have basically come out and said, hey, look, we're warning you now. <laughs> Here are the rules. And what, the one thing I don't understand, and I've said this before. Like, I'm not a medical expert. I'm not, I'm not an epidemiologist and I'm not a lawyer. So I don't have, I, I, I can't accurately tell you what the rules should or should not be. But yeah. there are, but there are professionals. And let, let's, let's also be honest. If you're tweeting at me and you're not an epidemiologist or a lawyer or a doctor about what the rules should be, I don't give a shit about your opinion because your opinion is irrelevant to, the, to what the actual rules should be. I don't care what you've read on Facebook. I just don't. But the SEC medical staff is qualified. And so what, they're, what they've done is they've created the rules. And as long as every team knows all the rules on the front end, then no one can complain. And that's all, to me, that's what I heard from Greg Sankey's. Look, we told you in July. <laughs> yeah, right. And there's, I mean, we don't know what October is going to look like. And after last year, I don't think any of us have um, are confident in the fact that we know what's coming in the future. So it, he's just like, do everything you can possibly do to prevent preventable problems from happening and <laughs> nice. then prevent preventable things. Craig Sankey's <laughs> slogan. Um, so, and, and hopefully that, you know, vaccine opinions to me are out of it. It doesn't really matter. It's just like, if you're not, if you miss a game because of COVID, you right. miss a game because of COVID. Right. It's happening to Olympic athletes. It's happening to baseball players. It's happened. It happened to NC state. He, he used the word if you're not healthy like which is like a great catch-all phrase to sort of cover all the issues like well if your team is not healthy you can't play a game you're shit out of luck dude sorry <laughs> like mm -hmm. we told you we told you in july about this so it, it does seem like they're trying to rapidly increase the vaccination numbers and it's every every conference in america so we'll see yep. what the i would the sec has all the money the time and the effort to be able to do it i don't know why the sec would not be 14 teams 100 vaccinated i don't know why that wouldn't happen there's no reason for it not to happen other than I guess you can't force somebody to, although I guess the rules are for the workplace and this has been litigated in American history for hundreds of years in court cases, you absolutely can tell people that they have to be vaccinated to come to a workplace or a school. So I don't know why mm -hmm. the football programs wouldn't be the same. If you want to play, get vaccinated. So it is. That was pretty it, much the extent of it. It was very straightforward. 
All right, so um, some circus moments historically coming up in a little while, Dar- Darinoka as well. But your report card, Aaron Dugan's report card on the new coaches, on how they performed. I think Clark Lee has been reading a lot of leadership books. Yeah, I mean, and Clark, well, we can start with, I want to start with Josh Heupel, but okay. I, I don't right. think you're wrong about Clark Lee. Um, Heupel, to me, it felt the same as a lot like his introductory press conference. Um, I don't think it was, it's, he's not the most dynamic public speaker. Um, and I think he seems semi comfortable. He doesn't seem like he's the most comfortable person behind the podium. Like you could tell like Dan Mullen, like, you're like, did you, do you have anything written on your paper? I'm thinking he's just like (laughs) like, winging it. Um, but you could tell it was, I mean, it was very well planned out, but he just didn't seem, he's just not that attention grabbing, but the only thing, what I thought was interesting about his is he talked so much and this is not, you know, this happened a lot in Tennessee's history, but you know, the power and the strong history of the logo. And this is, you know, this program screams at college football greatness. And yeah, like it has a tradition of that, but there was, it was a lot about the tradition of what the, the big, like the T means and and what Knoxville means. And it wasn't as much about like, okay, well, how are you going to restore that tradition? It was just kind of like, felt like it was just riding more on what that school's history really is. There's just a lot of logo talk. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I I think he he did touch on the NIL stuff pretty well, which is really easy when you have Grant, who we had on the show as one of your student athletes, kind of leading the charge. I just didn't really learn all that much. He talked a little bit about wanting to play fast and be physical. And then it was a quarterback friendly offense. Never heard any of those words from coaches. I know. I'm like, it needs to be a quarterback helpful offense. I don't know if friendly is going to really cut it probably needs to be a little bit more than, than friendly. Um, But I think think to your point about the tradition thing, I I do think that's a, that's a problem for Tennessee in particular, because the whole feels like 98 could not have been more wrong nothing about 98 is applicable to 2021 college football, like not how the schemes are run, not how you recruit, not the internet, not your smart social media, not your smartphone. None of it applies to like how you can win in 2021. I do think he mentioned sort of putting his own modern spin on the tradition, which I think is a a good thing. Mostly though, I don't like, he sounded like a professional adult football coach and Tennessee has not had that in in recent years. And so I'm, I'm putting the bar very low for Josh Heupel to clear. And I think he cleared it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a bad interview or a bad like address. I just thought there was like some things I'd like to know a little bit more about, but I did like that. He talked a lot about like the players voicing a need for connection and how important it was for this staff to become really connected to the players that I was a fan of that whole little spiel on that. Cause I think it, it made sense. All right. So letter grade for Josh Heupel. Welcome to the sec. He's been a head coach before. So he's done media days before. What was, what's, what's Aaron Dugan's introductory press conference grade. Mm, I'm going to go like a B or B minus. Okay. That's fair. I did not ask you to do the other coaches, but uh, the, the new ones from last year, but Mike Leach basically got up there and said, Hey, I'm not into opening statements. What are your questions? It was like a sentence. What do you give that one? Like, is it an A plus? Is pass fail an option? <laughs> <laughs> is it what is it pass? Do you love it or do you hate it? Um, I don't mind it because he's just kind of he, I mean, he's gonna spend probably just as much time up there. He's not gonna buy himself out of 
you know, talking. So he kind of threw himself to the wolves a little bit early, which I can respect. So it's how he rolls. It's funny. Like if you get comedy right, points, right. I'll give it a B plus. Okay. Yeah. I like, I love it. Cause it's just so on brand. Uh, You're still going to talk for 30 minutes. You can either right. dictate 15 minutes of it or get drilled for the whole 30. So right. I think he Hugh, picked the second one. I think Hugh Freeze talked for like 27 minutes so that during the scandal, during the NCAA investigation. So he yeah. took no questions. Right. So there's a strategy there. Right. All right. Uh, who's next on your list? Who do you got? We'll go Clark Lee next. Okay. Um, Reads a lot of Seth Godin, clearly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really know if, <laughs> if there was a better direction Clark could have gone necessarily. I mean, you really do have to completely build that program up like from the ground up and start over completely. I did like that he, I think it was kind of refreshing to hear him not only address the media, but thank the media at the very beginning. He was like genuine about like, you guys are the ones telling your story. Like your pen's the one doing that. So I know there's like a complex relationship sometimes with media and head coaches. Everybody knows the other one's important, but there's not always a real sense of gratitude, which whether it was real or not, I don't know, but it seemed like those guys are just doing their job guys and girls in the media. So I think that's, that was a good message to send. Um, Nick, Nick Saban actually took a, a moment at the end of his spiel to do the same thing. He was like, I know you guys, you know, I know I, I don't always have the best relationship with you. I, but like you guys work really hard and you, you raise up these players voices. I, and like, he did a whole, he did a whole spiel. I was like, Whoa, wait a second. Who was that? I know there's a, like, he said, yeah, he said something else and talked about like how much he really enjoyed the, like SEC media days in like, general. Who, who, I was like, who are you? I know it just, it felt different. I liked, so had the, a similar discussion about defining themselves from the inside out. And it, although a lot of it was like a little bit um, less it, tangible. It, it was very meta that, that portion. It was, it was very much so, but just talking about how like the difference in relationship as a new coach of being connected by chance to your players and not by choice and how you kind of redefine that when you aren't the one that went out and recruited them and you have to create a culture for them that they didn't necessarily choose to walk into. So it seemed like his understanding of completely flipping things inside out and then also not claiming that it's going to be sudden referring to his Bobby Johnson days of you got to start all the way over at the beginning and build it up and it yeah. takes time. Um, so I thought he did a really good job. I mean, I, I thought I would give, I would give him like a, a B plus. Yeah. He sounds very stately. He's, he's yes. very, very tempoed, very measured in his delivery, very calm, very slow, very carefully chosen words. Again, he's got a very different approach to, to being a head coach. Is it going to work at Vanderbilt? We have no clue, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting to watch. There's no question. I'm with you. Very stately delivery by Clark Lee. Uh, Shane Beamer. Did he take a breath at any point during his opening statement? <laughs> I was going to say the exact opposite feel of Clark Lee, Shane Beamer. No, I, I'm not sure that he did. It was lots of notes. He seemed excited and grateful. He did feel, it did feel a little young, just like very, very, just straight through it, get through it really quick. It was a lot less about how they're going to do what or what it's going to look like. There's a lot of facilities talk about what they have, which I guess you are kind of putting yourself out on yep. you know, the chopping block when you claim, hey, we have everything that a school would need to be great. And, you know, so it's kind of ta you're taking the fall if you're not. So I, I do respect that, you know, okay. there's there's nothing 
he wasn't completely like trying to turn the attention away from himself. He's like, you know, we have everything that we need to be good. Hopefully we are. And then, um, (laughs) and then also it was a lot of just specifics of players and talent that they have and who's going to do what and all that. And it was just not about, he named, I don't know, five retur- he named five different players who could return kicks. I was like, thanks coach. Okay. <laughs> like he's all right. Are you just reading the depth chart at this point? Like what are you, know? are you surprised that there was, and I don't know if it was him deflecting attention from his, you know, his experience or his resume having not called plays at this level, but is that what you felt? do you feel like that's really where it was coming from? Just like rattle off as much stuff as you can and specifics and, you know, hope no one says, but you've never called plays though. <laughs> right. Well, I think, and it's, it's, a, it's an obvious talking point around his hiring. Um, I, I just think all three of them sort of represented themselves. Like Josh Heupel, sort of like a down the middle kind of guy, just a nice guy. Don't no, I don't think he's particularly great, but he's not bad at all. He's very professional. I think Clark Lee is, has, has a lot to prove, but is very, holistically approaching approaching this in a very modern way and i think shane beamer's the recruiting rah 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 guy like that like i think that i think all those personalities came out in their delivery Uh, again the only reason we're focusing on these guys is because we've never seen them before we've seen dan mullen 12 times we've seen nick saban 16 times like i don't need to break down nick saban you know like dan what's interesting about dan mullen is like all the scheduling stuff he wants he wants like nine conference games and you know four home and four road and one neutral site like there's some interesting stuff that dan mullen said but um, about scheduling, but otherwise, you know, I'm not learning anything about LSU when Coach O talks. Like I'm not. <laughs> so. No, no, you're not. So I would say overall for him, I'd say if he was re- giving a, if he was trying to sell the the school on a recruiting visit, it would have been like an A minus maybe. But that's not what he was supposed to be doing. So <laughs> right. I'd say like a B minus. It sounded perfect if you're literally giving a spiel on recruiting, which right. is what he's great at. So it makes sense. But going right. B minus, but. With I will mention the one other standout thing to me through all of this was just watching. There was one similarity between every player that I saw, which was as soon as they're talking about being back in an environment where people can watch them play, if they hadn't cracked a smile yet, all of them did. As soon as they're like, yes, we're going to have fans or we get to like show off for our friends and family or just be there surrounded by other people, like almost all of them cracked a smile when that came up, if they hadn't already done that. Yeah, the general sense of excitement, I think, coursed through the players more than usual. Mm-hmm. It always does, but this year, I think everyone was like, oh my God, let's get back to normal. <laughs> totally. Yep. There, there's no question about so that. That was fun to watch. So anyway, there's Aaron's analysis of public speaking, which is what you <laughs> do so well. Um, and uh, we've got Dari Noka coming up in just a little bit as well. We will get to all of my circus experiences at yes. SEC Media Days when we come back. Fringe Element, Aaron Dugan, is brought to you by Jaspers, the first thing on a long list of to-dos. Interesting. Okay. I'm like not, not I'm your tired. best work, not your best work, but not but but not your worst either. So I'll give it a solid C plus. B minus. It's oh, it's so bad. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you should put Jaspers on your to-do list though. Like if you are gonna make a to-do list you should probably slide Jasper's in there somewhere on the list because they've got free parking, wonderful food, fantastic desserts, frozen popsicles, all different places to sit and watch games. It's a really great place to go eat. Take the it's family. a great place to go yeah. eat with a much better marketing department than I would 
ever be invited to be a part of. Um, well, you're but it's of, woven you're into in the there. fabric. <laughs> it's woven into the fabric of our hearts, always. <laughs> the marketing department or just Jaspers in general? I'm just trying to help myself, but it's not working. Let me ask Sorry, you a question. Brain. Let me ask you a question about Jasper. Okay. Is there a better job? And I asked this of Steve Cavendish on Lamestream. Is there a better job? So they're revamping the menu right now. We we were in there, had a meeting in there, and she was, you know, we were talking about how hey, Deb's updating the menu like every good, like every good restaurant, seasonally changing things, sort of always upgrading and constantly evolving because they are the next evolution of the sports bar. And I just I don't I'm not sure there's a better job than food taster for Deb Paquette to decide what goes on a menu. Like I would do that job in two seconds. Do you think someone gets paid to do that? Probably not. Ugh. It's probably a, it's probably a part of the job if you when you work at a restaurant like Jasper's. I'm. How do we get on that team? How do yeah, we? I'm I'm campaigning to be a specific person who does that for all of Deb Paquette's menus. Man, that would be a sick job. Right? Yes, that would be so awesome. If you get that job, you're definitely just going to you're just going to be quit and traveling the world just eating Deb's food. <laughs> I don't know about traveling the world. <laughs> I mean, by the world, I mean like the five square miles around Nashville. <laughs> the four No, boroughs. but they're in other places. The four boroughs of Nashville. Yeah, they're in Mississippi. Yeah, they're, they're down in Mississippi, Alabama. Yeah, they're down there for sure. Yeah, they've got some some satellite locales yeah. um that would be the best job ever and just like the sauces alone even if i only got to just taste like oh. any kind of sauce that was served i would even take that job it's probably like the internship of food tasting the sauce taster i might pay them to let me do that 1000 percent. which i probably shouldn't say out loud but like i would do that can you set that up or just like I'll maybe try. we should do a we should do a powerpoint we should do a pitch okay we could pitch them on about why why, why, why we would we get at that Adam Vingan in the gold standard gets a cocktail. Fringe element gets to be the guinea pigs for your new menu items. I would no longer be mad about the cocktail. <laughs> All right. Go to Jasper's. They're constantly evolving their menu. They've got great options, great food, great drinks, great cocktails, great happy hour. And the parking is free. There you go. Go to Jasper's, everybody. All right, Aaron, let's do some, uh, some quick histrionics here of sec media days first of all for people that don't know it was actually a used to be a plane that traveled all over the sec with writers in it going to every single campus in the in the conference uh which is just hard to understand <laughs> just yes, number, it is. number one in 1985 it moves to hoover it's a very small event about 100 people around 2010 it got to about a thousand me media members it got up to about 1600 media members there have been so many random and bizarre things that have happened, none of which really, frankly, involve football. I, 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 let, let me give you a few examples of some of the stupidest things that have happened in, at SEC Media Days, and you can rank them on, like, clown factor. Okay. Like, like how big, how, like a circus clown. Five okay, circus, what's the scale? Five circus clowns means, like, you love that story. It was really entertaining, and you wish you would have been there. But it's also like it could also be dumber. Like there's not necessarily a. No, there's no. There, you get to you. You're in complete. Dumber control. and funnier. Okay, so you're, five is like. Is is good on Aaron's scale? You get five circus clowns. The most circusy and best. Okay. Right, and and, and then and one you, is like normal. Whatever could take it you, or leave it. You get to decide. Okay. You get to decide. All right, I believe it was 2009, and there's two different elements of this in 2009. I believe. Okay. Um, one particular media member, I'm not going to use his name. He will remain nameless because 
just because. In the in the big main room, Tim Tebow is speaking, and this particular person asked Tim Tebow if he was saving himself for marriage. And Tim Tebow was totally prepared for the question and was like, well, yeah, actually I am. How many circus clowns does that incident get for you, Aaron Dugan? It's like so hard to know if the scale is like a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I would say, I would say three because he saved it. Tebow was ready for it and kind of saved it. And so it kind of just made him look media member look stupid. But if it had gone off the rails and Tebow had been up in arms about it, maybe it would get more, but I'm going to go with three. Yeah. That's a clown question, bro. So also that year, a head coach, I believe left Tim Tebow off of the all sec ballot, which really nobody cares about. Honestly, like who cares who's on the sec all first team or whatever. Like it's not that big a deal. We all vote. It's not that big a deal. Um, It doesn't actually mean anything. It's just like, here's what people think in the preseason, whatever in July, that same year, 13 of the 14 coaches put Tim Tebow on a ballot. One coach left him off. And so it became a thing where every single head coach was asked, like the one of the first questions, like, hey, did you vote for Tim Tebow? <laughs> Which is so stupid and dumb that it became a thing that people were asked. But of course, it was Steve Spurrier, who was at South Carolina at the time and left Tim Tebow off his ballot. He had to then own it and then said, I wish I would have voted Tim Tebow on the ballot. I'm giving that four. That's not at his alma mater. It's amazing not only because it is spurrier but also that he got pinned into having to admit that because they asked every single coach i'm giving that four on the circus scale four circus clowns four circus clowns four circus clowns robbie caldwell was named the interim head coach at vanderbilt when bobby johnson retired very late in the summer and so robbie caldwell was the head coach of vanderbilt one time and for one season, and he went there and got a standing ovation, the only standing ovation I've ever seen in, in SEC Media Day's history. He talked about inseminating turkeys in his first job, which is, of course, a very famous line now from his – he was up there for 42 minutes. And, again, media gave him a standing ovation. How many circus clowns? Four. You, you, I mean, you already, he already gets, like, three just for opening his mouth. So <laughs> – I'd say four. I'm I'm going four on that. I just I can't imagine how funny was everyone just dying laughing oh, during the was, standing ovation. Yes, everyone was dying laughing the entire 42 minutes. What would you time. give that? I want to know. What, what it's five. It's five. So it's the it's my number one memory ever. Is it? Going. I know. I, I teeter between memory. four and five. But you I also, out four and a half. I was also around Robbie Caldwell a lot. I was at every one of his press conferences in Nashville. So uh, every Monday they do the Vanderbilt press conference. So we would go all the time. I just. He's just so lovable. Like he's just he's such a, a lo- he's a cartoon character. Yes, he is. He's just absolutely brilliant. He's just one of the funniest dudes I've ever been around. And so for him to get get a standing ovation, which is just so unbelievable. Like honestly, it's five <laughs> five five circus clowns. Alabama fan showing up in the lo- like Alabama fan lobby guy is crazy. They show up like crazy on 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 Nick Saban Alabama Day, and this is an Auburn fan. There was one, I believe, who painted his dog, painted his like big lab to look like a tiger. So, it, I mean, we're, ta- <laughs> we're talking, I'm talking like full on every, have you seen these like really high end dog painters? There's like, there's like reality TV shows about these people. Extraordinary that stuff. paint on the real dog yes. or the pictures yes. of the. No, no. On the dog. Like they, like a, like a high level groomer. I have not seen that. Oh my gosh. I'm looking up pictures of dogs painted like tigers. What? (laughs) 
So a guy was in the lobby on Auburn Day because Alabama Day gets fans get all the credit. <laughs> but if you type in, you know, Auburn fan paints dog at SEC Media Days. Got it immediately. Like, oh my gosh! Right? You see how good that is? <laughs> how many circus clowns does that guy get? Golly, I feel like no one's gonna get these stories. Are so good, it's like not gonna go below three. That's that's five to me. That's just ridiculous. I love it. The dog sat still for that. Yeah, I guess. Gee. I'm telling you this this whole world of like high end designer grooming of dogs. Like, there's competitions of like dog painting. It's crazy. I don't know how. I think my wife was watching it one time. Um, all right, here's another one. Philip Fulmer in 2004 spoke to the NCAA about an investigation concerning Alabama in terms of recruiting. The story goes that some lawyers in Alabama were going to serve Philip Fulmer with a subpoena if he showed up at Hoover, Alabama to do media days. He does media days via speakerphone. So a phone is sitting on a stool in a room with a bunch of media people asking questions of Philip Fulmer, who basically, he's like, Look, y'all can, uh, <laughs> he's like, you can make fun of my weight even if you want to, but I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to play this game. If the NCAA comes to me, I'm going to do the right thing or whatever. Uh, Alabama fans certainly disagreed. At the same time, Nick Saban's actual dog gets loose in the hotel on the same day. I guess got away from Miss Terry. I don't know. How many circus clowns does Philip Fulmer avoiding a subpoena by doing media days on a speakerphone? How many circus clowns? It has, it has to be four. It can't be less than four. I don't have any, none of these stories are going to get ones or twos, I don't think. (laughs) All right. How about this one? What do you think it is? Uh, It's four or five clowns. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It might be five clowns. It's probably five clowns. Combined with Saban, there's no doubt it's five. Uh, How about this one? I personally, this is not one that's out there much at all. I personally was standing at the bar the day before Vanderbilt was going with head coach Derek Mason. He was not standing there to get a drink. He was just ordering a meal. Like just, he just wanted some food. Mm-hmm. And I, it was very East Nashville service. Like it was extremely slow. <laughs> it would not, it was not like Jasper's. And he just stood there and this bartender clearly had no clue that the, an SEC football coach was standing there trying to get service. And I stood there and I talked to him for a few minutes and I kind of just looked at the bartender. I was like looking at coach and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Right. And he just sort of like shook his head and smiled. He was very polite and never said a word, but it, it took, Way too long for a head football coach to get a freaking burger. <laughs> Golly. Was it at the hotel bar? This was at the main bar downstairs. It's right by the event where everyone goes to. Right. To get, it's right at the bottom of that hotel. Yep. Yep. Um, well, I, I don't know why you haven't done your research about what event you're working at all, because it seems like it would serve you well. Like, that's too good. Of course, Mace didn't say anything and he was nice. No, he's a nice guy. That's that's three. It's not too circus clownish, but it's it's yeah. just ridiculous. How about Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel? This is sort of, this may not be on the clown scale. Okay. But Johnny Football and Tim Tebow, I, at SEC Media Days, in my entire life, I have never seen, and I don't, I've never really been to LA, so I don't really know how it works in like LA with the paparazzi. I'm, I'm sure. Like a Kardashian walks around and like, it's a bunch of shit happening around him, right? Mm-hmm. Nashville leaves people alone. We live in Nashville and Nashville largely like frowns upon going up to celebrities, taking photos, asking for autographs. We, we're pretty, we're pretty chill city when it comes to celebrities. Yes. The most paparazzi persons I have ever been around in the history of my life that I've ever seen are Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow at SEC media days. I'm talking people 
running, holding cameras, you know, like way over their heads just to get a shot of like the crown of Tim Tebow's head from like 15 feet away because you're seven people deep in a circle trying to just like while he's walking from room to room. The only two people I've ever seen in my life do that with no actors, no musicians, no nothing was Johnny Football and Tim Tebow. That's pretty crazy. It's like 21-year-old kids. Maybe you do need to put put some clown rankings on this. God, it's like hard. It's so hard to tell like what I'm, I mean. Hmm, I'm going to go. I mean, clown rankings like for for the people doing that. I'm sure those two handled it okay. But like if you're running up like screaming like a little girl at a boy band concert and like trying to take pictures of them um, from seven people away, I'm giving you like a four on the clown rating. I'm sure they acted decent. I'm, I know yeah, 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 yeah. Johnny football has his moments, but I'm sure that that wasn't one of them. No. And, and I think people forget how big Johnny football as a phenomenon was because mm-hmm. he, because he just totally flamed out in the NFL and like, you know, personal problems and stuff like stuff that you right. don't really want to like relish. Right. Right. With, with Tebow, like, Oh, he just sucks at football. We can all relish that. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's easy. Cause he's a nice guy, but like, you, it's hard to get, I'm not going to be excited for someone dropping out of football because of an addiction or something like that's not, that doesn't feel no. right. No, we won't rejoice in that. But I don't think people re- like it was. He wins the Heisman. A and M had just gotten to the SEC. I don't think people realize how big of a phenomenon Johnny Football was. Like I, I think people have forgotten that. To be honest, and it's yeah, it's Texas, and it's Texas too. So like up the football crazy factor. You've been around a lot of super famous people. Like, have you ever? What's the biggest paparazzi person you've ever been around, regardless of profession? Ooh, um, I don't know. I got to think about that for a second. Do you have any? Do you have any more stories? I, uh, they're not really clown stories. I just wanted to take a second to say, there's I, I could rattle off fifty players that were incredibly impressive. Andrew Thomas talked about music theory, and Damian Harris at Alabama, and Foster Moreau at LSU was perfect. Could have I, I literally asked him at the end of the interview, Aaron. I said, "Do you want Greg Sankey's job? Do you want Ed Orderon's job, or do you want to be the governor of Louisiana? Which one do you want? Because I think you could take your pick. Like that's how impressive he was." Um, you know, Oren Burks and, and, um, the guys at Vanderbilt who had started sort of, you know, community activism around Nashville, um, you know, the Josh Dobbs Mm -hmm. is, you know, he's literally a rocket scientist. (laughs) Like, um, I, I mean, I can keep going. Like, it's just the one that stands out to me though. And I say it all the time. And I say it every year around this time, Georgia wide receiver, Malcolm Mitchell, went into, he told the story at media days. He went into Georgia at an eighth grade reading level. He left Georgia as a published children's book author. It's like one of my favorite stories ever. And it is the reason we have colleges in this country, (laughs) in my opinion. And oh, by the way, was a wide receiver in the SEC. That's one of the best feel good stories that exists in college football. So I always just, I always just use Malcolm Mitchell as my favorite thing that I've ever, no clown, no clown rankings here. It's just my favorite story about an SEC athlete, maybe ever. And there's a lot yeah, of good. It's pretty good. I, we can keep going. There's, there's a million of them like this. Like it's, I know my fan moment or my most oh, paparazzi okay. moment. I did. Um, you said it didn't have to be sports. No, no. I want any, literally Manziel and Tebow. I've been around Jack White. I've been around, you know, backstage. Like I've seen, I've been around lots of famous people and I've never seen paparazzi really in my life other than Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow. 
if you count the paparazzi, like as, you know, not only media, but fans, my mom was definitely, I did um, the shot video on tour with Leonard Skinner. And that was the craziest group of people trying (laughs) to get as close as possible. And just everyone's in like cut off, sweating outside amphitheater, like cut off. Yeah, that was real. So that was a pretty eye opening thing. I've been around some people with like big names before, but no one with a an entourage and like groupies like that. And it was eye opening. The closest thing I think I've ever experienced outside of sports, I had like randomly on accident had dinner in New York at a restaurant like and like Katie Couric was like three tables over. Oh, really? And and a bunch of people were sort of like stopping by the window and taking photos and stuff. And it was pretty late. It was like in the evening, so you could barely see. And that was that's like the only time I've ever seen any like because that doesn't happen in Nashville. It's very strange. Like Nashville people just don't like that's I a see pretty cele- big one. I see celebrities in Nashville all the time and nobody bothers them. It's very, I know. it's very strange. It's very strange. Nothing's as good as Skeener, man. Nothing's as good as Skeener. Skeener's a Skeener and Katie Kirk, two peas in a pod. <laughs> I love Skeener, man. Uh all right, that about does it for us. Um, I hope you enjoy media day's coverage. We'd sort of try to do our own thing. Maybe Texas and Oklahoma are in the sec. The next time we talk to you guys, who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll see. All right. Coming up next, Dari Noka, sec network host, just signed a new contract with ESPN. Uh, he's going to give you some memories and some stories and some talk about some, some things about sec football. So, uh, without any more conversation from us, here was uh, our talk with Dari Noka. Dari, great to see you, man. Welcome to the show, and congratulations on the new contract, my man. How are you? <laughs> I am, I am good, man. It's all, you know, it's always good every time a contract thing rolls around. Even though I've been with the company seventeen years, it's always good just to get get something agreed upon and signed, and you know, take that weight off for a little bit. You know, I wasn't overly uh, overly concerned. I've fortunately <laughs> over over uh, this period of time have uh, forged a pretty good relationship with my management and. Uh, and it, and it doesn't hurt having a really good relationship with Greg Sankey and folks in the SEC either. So we'll just keep riding this as long as they'll let me do it, you know? Well, we will get to Sankey in just a second because he obviously had a whole lot to say uh, at Media Days. But I, I wanted to get your perspective as a professional television broadcaster who is at the top of his field, basically. And this began, this event began, for those that don't know, as like a bunch of guys on a plane flying around the southeast talking to coaches going yeah. from town to town it came to Hoover in 85 and sort of settled in as, as the event that we see it today, it has just grown and grown and grown. There are future plans for it to be moved around Nashville, of course, missing out last year. Yeah. uh, Unfortunately, just sort of your perspective on how this has evolved from what it was 50, 60 years ago to what it is today. It's exactly what you would expect in this particular league where everything they do, they do big, right. From, what they put into their baseball tournament in Hoover every year to their softball tournament to, you know, the, the buzz around its football championship game, everything they do, they do in a big way. Uh, You know, other conferences do this in one or two days. Why not do four? Uh, We were the first to do four, the only to do four. like, why not make it four? Let's stretch this out as long as we can to keep the attention on ourselves. And I say that, and it's going to come across in a negative way, but it benefits everybody it benefits us. It benefits the league, all the extra attention that it gets. It's not enough just to win a, a majority of national championships and claim a majority of playoff spots. Right. It's, 
it's also it, it just goes to show this is a 12 month a year sport especially in this league um and and i don't know what you know moving it to atlanta a couple of years ago getting it out of hoover then nashville the plans where i can't wait to get there because whenever that happens it's going to be fantastic like it's sharing the sugar it's letting everybody enjoy this uh, around the south and i think uh I don't know what's next. You know, I know Peter Burns is on this push to make it a prime time event. I don't think there's a lot of desire to do that because the days are long and you're not going to start that at seven and have a coach at the podium at 1145. But um, <laughs> uh, I don't I, know many media members that could handle that. I don't think many of no. us are in that good of shape, actually. <laughs> no, and, and I'll tell you what, and, and the establishments around Hoover uh, would not like it if we were all occupied at night. So, yeah, you know, with, with work things. That's true. We've got we've got things to do, Dari. Um, I, I will say, though, we're not too far from it potentially being like a tiered ticket fan fest sort of deal. Like you've been to Omaha a bunch like, you know, what fan fest mm -hmm. is like there, especially with name, image and likeness now here to stay. I, I like the players are the best part of this entire event. They are extraordinary people and they get highlighted more yeah. during this event than any other time. I, I mean, why would we stop at, you know, autograph sessions with kids and families and fan fest and I, it's only going to keep growing yeah. if I had to guess. And maybe that's a way that name, image, and likeness kind of comes into play with it. Keep going, right? You stop by this table and this dude signing autographs and this dude signing, you know, Josh Heupel and his quarterback and his linebacker signing autographs, whatever it might be, right? Um, no, I, I don't know that there really is a ceiling on how big it could be. Do you make it like the NFL draft? I mean, you've covered the draft. I've called the draft for radio for almost a decade. I, I Yes. It, it, however big they want to make it, the fans are going to go with it. Fans are going to love this. Yeah. Um, however, you are going to have to sell that on the coaches because regardless of what they say at that podium, I'm firmly a believer that the vast majority of the 14 coaches don't look at their day in Hoover as or wherever they go as their favorite day of the year. Like they want to coach. They want to be in meetings. They want to be watching film. They want to be figuring out position battles. They don't love it. They use it well. They use it to send message to their players. They use it to message recruits. They use it for all of those things, but they don't love it. So now how much are you going to ask of them? How much are they want, going to want to give you? Now, if it's a financial boon, you're selling tickets, this money's going back to programs, all of a sudden it probably becomes yep. more uh, easily, uh, more easy to sell. Yeah. I think Dan Mullen was asked, I think Feinbaum was like, hey, you kind of like it, don't you? And Mullen on Monday was like, well, I mean, I think I'd rather be on a boat, but I don't mind it. I like coming here and hanging out. And, and he certainly yeah. is one, after 10 plus years, he's certainly a, a personality type that sort of fits in well with what Hoover's designed to do. Um, I, I'm curious because you, you get a chance to talk to these guys a lot and you sort of know, you know, you just sort of gave us a little bit of a, an insight into their, their thinking. You got four new faces this year in the SEC with, with Shane Beamer and Josh Heupel and Brian Harson and Clark Lee. But you also had four guys last year yeah. that never got to go as well. So really you have eight new faces, many of whom have experience being head coaches at other media events, but not at this one. What, what do you think like goes through their head the night before when they're trying to plan? Are, like, are, are they trying to hit every talking point? Like Try to give us some insight into what these guys are thinking the night before they take the podium. Yeah, I think it probably depends a little bit on experience in doing these somewhere, even if it hasn't been done in the SEC before. You know, Shane Beamer's never done this anywhere. Clark Lee's never done – I don't – you know, I know that they have media events in South Bend for Notre Dame. But, no, I, I think it probably depends some on the experience of having done this before. Um, you know, I, I think with your first one, 
I, I think the big thing they all do is how do I want a message, right? So it's all recruiting, not just high school kids, transfer portal kids, kids that might be in the transfer portal next year, kids that you don't even have a clue that you're going to have your eye on, you're going to have your eye. How do I effectively sell my program and our ability to get them exactly what they need and a whole lot of things that they want if they come to my place? That's the first thing. Secondly is message to my own team. Nick Saban is better than anybody in the world at this, as we know, right? What's it, I'm gonna, I might share a couple of our concerns. I might let people know we're not where we need to be at this position group. How do you talk about your team or, direct, or indirectly to your team and to those recruits? And other than that, you just answer questions. I don't know that they, you know, maybe the first timers get a little bit panicked the night before, but I'll tell you this, in this particular year where you've got fewer media people there, it's probably not as imposing as it is when every one of those chairs in front of the podium is, is full, um, you know, and, and they're doing, they're asked to do a countless number of media requests, walking through a crowded hallway at radio row. Everything's a little bit different and tempered now, but it won't be forever. I think it depends on the personality of the coach and really just how effectively they want to message the people that they're messaging. They don't really care too much about answering our question. It's, am I delivering the right message? Whatever it takes for them to get that out there, that's what they'll do. Yeah, you can't really win anything at SEC Media Days, but you can kind of look dumb occasionally and maybe say something silly. So maybe you can lose Media Days, but you can't really win it. That That is for sure. Um, a guy who seems to win it every single year, and right now I could argue is – the most powerful man in this sport. And that's because there's a large void, a power vacuum behind him with new commissioners around the country. And that is Greg Sankey, of course. And, and mm -hmm. he comes out pretty strong on Monday with a vaccination message to, to athletes and to the rest of the sort of the college football world, as well as a lot of comments about the NCAA's current mm, inability to legislate all of the major issues that are sort of shifting underneath college football. Um, I'll, I'm going to pander here. Should Greg Sankey be the commissioner of the Power Five? <laughs> <laughs> if we get to a day where there is such a title, I believe he would be an effective leader. <laughs> I, th I think he would be good. The way he handled everything last summer, you know, immediately was not a fan of the ACC and the Pac-12 making the decision, that they, or the Big Ten and the Pac-12 making the decision as early as they did. His whole method is let's watch and wait and learn, right? I mean, heck, I'm still using his method uh, in, in just our local school district recently, just uh, like two weeks ago, said masks for all school age children are going to be optional. And my wife and I, who are fully vexed and firmly believe in that, literally were like, why? Why do you need to do this now? Let's wait. What's the hurry? Right. Well, that was great saying. Let's watch and take <laughs> our time. Right. And we maybe th make a more thorough decision that's better thought out. Yeah, he would be phenomenal in that role. But I tell you what, as long as he's not in that role, we're really lucky to have him in the role that we have him in in this conference. I mean, and I don't, I don't say this like as a joke. Like I don't think there's anyone that that can speak to the issues that the college product has right now, other than him. Again, I think I think Jim Delaney is a very missed voice in this entire conversation right now. I think he was a very powerful, very intelligent, shrewd leader, and I think Sankey, mm -hmm. Sankey right now is sort of out here leading the whole thing by himself. I, I, I think the world and thought the world of John Swafford as well. And I worked, you know, with the ACC very closely for a long time. I often thought to myself, why isn't he more front and center? Like, this is one yeah. of the smartest men in college sports. Like, get more front and center and make those kinds of statements. Greg Sankey's doing that. Again, one of the smartest people in all of sports. And, Braden, you know, he doesn't say anything without thinking it through. 
He also has a brilliant team in Birmingham around him. These are guys and men and women that have, have watched this thing develop. They have been around this sport, they sports, they've been around the leagues, they've been around athletic departments in every single capacity. Some of them were sports information people for years. Some of them were, you know, in other communication roles or just assistants to athletic directors. Like he's got a heck of a team to bounce things off of. Everybody trusts everybody in that office. It's a really great place to be and see how it operates. But, you know, like there's just, when you think before you speak and you think before you act, you're typically better off. And he's done it. He led the way for college football to be played and have a successful 2020, as successful as you could have hoped. Oh, he's, he's put himself in position to really be able to do whatever he wants in this, in this field. All right, let's lighten the mood a bit. Your, your most memorable moment at SEC Media Days is what? Uh, <laughs> uh, probably when we had Saban on set a few years back and Paul. So uh, how much time do I have? Do I have like two minutes for this you, story? You, break? you can go, man. <laughs> All right. You remember when Cam Robinson got in trouble in the offseason, yep. Louisiana yep. got arrested, right? There was weed, I think, in the car and, and – uh, they were playing USC in the opener and, and Saban had not announced any sort of punishment for Cam Robinson. So that was the big story for Saban. I don't know what year was it? 16, 17, I don't know, 18. They all run together, man. I don't even know. Anyway. Um, I know exactly so what you're talking about though. <laughs> we, so we're, was it Cam? It was Cam Robinson. Yeah, yep, Cam Robinson. Yep, yep. So we're on the set and, and it's like me, McElroy, Marcus, and then Paul Feinbaum. And Saban's up there at the podium and he's doing this 25 minute thing right and this is the story hanging out and nobody's asking him now we can't ask questions because we're going to end up with Saban on set like 10 minutes later so we, we we don't ask questions from the set that's for everybody else to, to ask questions not a single person asks about Cam Robinson like Paul and I are looking across the set at each other as he's talking and we're like nobody's gonna ask questions like seriously nobody's gonna ask questions really is it this bad is this bad so Saban gets done <laughs> we come back on camera the four of us and we go, we go to break and Nick Saban coming up in a few minutes, you know, we'll get you back here to Hoover in just a couple minutes. My microphone was left on. And as we were in break and I thought we were off camera, I said, geez, you think Saban owns the media? And that went out on camera. Well, I didn't know it went out <laughs> until my producer gets in my ear and says, Hey dude, just so you know, that went on camera. You may want to check your Twitter. All of a sudden, like I go and it's like, Dari says, you think Saban owns the media? Dari accuses Saban of owning the media, whatever. So Paul sees it. And we're talking off the air. And then we come back on. And I said, you know, come out. I said, I didn't know my mic was on. But, you know, I said what I said when I said, you think Saban owns the media? You heard it. I said, Paul, any reaction to it? He goes, yeah, you're exactly right. He does own the media. The fact that all of these people sat down there and they didn't ask a single question about it. So they're scared to death of Nick Saban. So we end up having Saban on the set shortly thereafter. And Paul's challenging that. He's going back and forth. Paul, you don't know all the circumstances. You don't know exactly. You don't know how much you think you know, you know, whatever. And as soon as we go to break, Saban steps off the set. And we're now in commercial. And he looks at Paul. And he says something to the extent of, I'll tell you what pisses me off. You know, and like, I mean, it was a moment where I saw from my seat off air why people go play for Nick Saban. <laughs> because that dude will defend his players. That dude seriously takes it personal. That dude does not want any of his guys being bad mouth. That dude leads his team. And I thought it was a really kind of a cool, I've never seen Nick Saban that mad moment in my life, but 
I remember it, and I still remember it well to this day. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, always a pleasure, man, to talk with you. Congratulations on the contract, of course. Um, I, I have tons of wonderful memories from Hoover. Uh, you were there next to me for one of my worst ones, of course. That's a story for another day. But I thank you always for, for being around and, and being helpful and for hanging out with us on the show today. We do appreciate it. You got it, buddy. Anytime, man. Special thanks to Dari Noka for joining us today on the show. Of course, hilarious story there at the end about Nick Saban coming over to find bomb at the desk and saying, <laughs> getting upset and defending his players. And uh, always love talking to Dari. One of the nicest guys in the history uh, of this business. No ego at all. Um, Aaron, I can I can tell this short, very short story about Dari Noka. Actually, I was at Media Days. My daughter was not quite a year old and had to go to the hospital. Uh, my wife calls me and I am, I've had probably two, two drinks and I'm sitting at a table with Dari Noka and a few other guys. And my wife calls me and said from the, uh, from an ambulance and says, I'm in an ambulance with my, with, with my daughter and we're on our way to the hospital. Everything's okay. Don't worry about it. Here's what happened. She laid it out. And for those that don't know, Dari has a, a, a charity around a son that he lost at a very young age. And I could not have been sitting next to a better person to help calm me down and like genuinely be a friend to say, look, you're going to be okay. She told you this, you're fine. Here's another drink. <laughs> like That's so like, nice. Chill out. Like you're going to be okay. And, and he, he was there to like, listen to me freak out and lose freak my out, mind yeah. and, and just like, not know what to do. Like, should I fly home? Like, what should I leave right now? I, I, I need a, I need a designated driver. Like, what should I do? And, and he just sort of, you know, handled it very calmly and uh, calmed me down. And it, I don't think I've ever told that story actually on the air. So that's a real, I mean, no, that's a, that's a really good story. That gives you a very good glimpse of someone who, you know, I have not met Dari and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening have not either. And that's just like a good human story. You'll look at him different just, just yeah. on TV when you see him because he treated you like that. That's awesome. Zero ego. And I think you hear it when you talk with him. He is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met in this business. Mm -hmm. So uh, special thanks to Dari for hanging out with us. Uh, Fringe Element is brought to you, Aaron, by who? Oh um, Jasper's strong arming its culinary competitors. That was not bad. That was pretty good. Four circus clowns. Four Thank circus you. clowns on that one. That was a solid one. Strong arming their culinary competitors. The only thing that would have been better is if you said stiff armed. Because then it would have oh, been a football dang reference. It. Yeah. Wow. Pretty good. What a, missed, Go, what a missed opportunity. <laughs> no, no, it was great. Go to Jasper's where they kick everyone else's ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's Jasper's. Uh, great food, free parking. Always go to Jasper's and special thanks for them for obviously making this podcast happen each and every week. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show, all that great stuff. Aaron Dugan, where can people find you? Um, the gram, Aaron underscore Dugan and Twitter, the Aaron Dugan. There you have it. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network. Peace.